Okay, so uh, welcome to Six Strings of Tension, a guitar podcast where I talk to guitarists about guitar. And today I have a very special guest all the way from the USA, from Humboldt County, California, the home of Mr. Bungle. Uh, And he has been making and releasing incredible music, uh, guitar-based music, for close on 25 years, maybe a bit more than 25 years, I guess we'll chat about that. Uh, probably most well-known for his long-standing solo and collaborative project, Six Organs of Admittance. But he also plays in a bunch of other bands like Rangda, New Bums, uh, Comets on Fire, August Born. And this is the sorcerer of six strings and six organs, Mr. Ben Chasney. So... Welcome to the show, Ben. Uh, thank you for taking the time to talk guitar with me today. And how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me here. Sorry, so the, yeah. I feel like that it's was awesome such a here. long intro. <laughs> no, you got some got some stuff in there. Uh, good that you got Mr. Bungle in there. Not a lot of people know oh, man. about. They kind of disown this place for for the proper reasons. Uh, but okay. um, just for, it's a long story. When they were here, it was kind of a, it was definitely a bummer. But um, okay. actually, and then my only connection to them is the first instrument I ever played was a bass guitar. And then I went for lessons. And so this would be when I was 15. And my, my teacher was friends with Trevor Dunn, the bass player for Bungle. But my teacher was a guitar player, so he asked Trevor what to teach me, and Trevor just told him about this like chromatic sort of exercise to do um, for the fingers, which I still do to this day. So maybe the first thing I ever learned on a stringed instrument might have come from somebody from Mr. Bungle. That is insane. So it's like you got a lesson via somebody else yeah. almost <laughs> yeah that's fantastic it was just that you know that chromatic thing where you go do 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 and then you when you get up to the top you slide up one and then you kind of go back down okay it's just just a, just a exercise for yeah yeah and warm, do you, warming up the fingers do you do that one where you have to like keep the fingers on the fret and only lift one finger at a time because i don't know i don't, I don't know if i do that but i just saw one on youtube with practicing the spider mm-hmm move which is the dave mustaine spider move like somebody's like you should practice a spider move which is i've always found very difficult to do dave mustaine spider move so maybe i'll start practicing that well good luck good luck and speaking (laughs) of which when was the last time you played guitar and what did you play um probably this morning because i was working on something but Mm. that's not often that somebody would ask me that question i would say this morning uh, it just just happened to be I was working on something this morning, so probably a few hours ago. Okay, cool. That was it. What guitar was it? Acoustic, electric. It is uh, an acoustic. Uh, I was working on some uh, acoustic music, mm. and I was trying to record some stuff. So it was my acoustic. It was uh, the Martin that I play lately. Okay. Wow, you see, like, just trying to gauge, like, what potentially you could be working on there. But uh, Oh, right. <laughs> I'm working on a new library record. So I did a library record a little while yeah. ago, and I'm going to do another one, which is sort of its whole, a whole other kind of thing of uh, just trying to play, like, pretty acoustic music, basically. 
Okay, so sort of similar tonally to the intimate landscape, which was yeah, the, kind the, of. the previous library one. Am I correct? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then so the, the guy who got me on the KPM label there left KPM, and he's starting his own thing. So he asked me to do a thing for his new thing. So that's kind of what I'm working on now. Okay. Ah, yeah. exciting, exciting. Yeah. Um, okay, and you said that like it's not often that you'd be able to say like i played guitar this morning so are you probably not, not one of those people who practices daily are you kind of a little bit more laid back when the spirit moves you kind of player yeah probably i don't think i play daily i well it's weird with the acoustic guitar i generally play for the enjoyment of it or writing songs and then with the electric guitar is more practice style like practice a scale or practice this technique or the spider move by dave mustaine um that's usually like electric guitar kind of stuff but with acoustic guitar i usually just play for fun okay that's interesting like i know a lot of people who do it the other way around because acoustic guitar Mm. is sort of considered harder to play um, which i guess depends on your own guitar and your own style and everything but it's quite cool to hear that you're doing your exercises on the electric. Do you find that yeah. you, pl- you play very differently depending on acoustic electric or is it sort of if either or? Yeah, generally. Uh, my electric is generally always in standard for one. And acoustic is usually okay. in an open tuning. So, um, And then, yeah, I think electric, I just try to learn more scales and more sort of standard moves, you know, find something on YouTube and practice it over and over. And then, um, and then acoustic is more trying to find my own thing, I guess. But then the stuff from the electric guitar gets moved over to the acoustic because it's more left-handed sort of, I mean, I'm right-handed, so it's, I should say it's more like fretboard stuff. Yeah. So then I move the fretboard stuff over to the acoustic guitar, you know? Okay. So like all those sort of like runs hammer-ons pull-offs that sort yeah. of stuff okay yeah. yeah and for listeners right now you should know on zoom we are both <laughs> playing air guitar with our left hand to the international symbol for shredding exactly yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe one day i'll try and get like a visual component going for the full effect but um yeah thank you for describing that yeah um but I'm going to just sort of step back to where like a podcast or an interview, I guess, would normally start. Um, and I'm really interested to actually hear this because I feel like six organs, especially um, often, you know, gets described by other people. Um, but I would really be quite interested to hear you maybe talk through some of your musical projects. Uh, you don't have to talk through all of them because I know you've got quite a few and you could be super contrarian and not even talk about six organs, but <laughs> <laughs> obviously I would prefer it if you did. And and maybe if you could try and describe from your view the kind of music you create uh, in, in a couple of your projects, I'd really be interested to hear it coming from you directly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, sure, yeah. Maybe, could you prompt me? Because I don't know how to start this particular okay. conversation. We, we can start like, I guess, was there, st- I assume there was stuff before Six Organs, like bands, maybe. Maybe we can even mm-hmm. just start there. So Yeah, I played, yeah, I guess I played, you know, when I was playing bass guitar, then it would be locally. Um, 
I grew up here, but I moved away for a long time, and I okay. just moved back. So, um, yeah, actually, the majority of Six Organs was not done while I was here in Northern California. And um, But when I did live here, when I was in high school, um, then I was playing bass guitar and sort of like, you know, kind of your kid punk band kind of stuff, you know, mid-90s or early 90s, early 90s kind of stuff. Um, and then that was fun, but then I just kind of fell in love with acoustic guitar and sort of dropped out of the local scene immediately and just became a hermit, just practiced guitar all the time and just did that. Um, and uh, yeah, that's kind of that was kind of pre-Six Organs. Okay, and then so did that like hermit lifestyle inform you know like the first six organs and the first sort of iteration of the project as it were a little bit i just because they were solo and at the time i don't think psych folk was generally huge anywhere but it definitely wasn't huge here where i was living so i felt like a hermit anyway i just i was doing music that Nobody had any interest in locally, which was fine. I wasn't playing live or anything. And so that's when I just recorded a record and I knew there was certain underground distribution that I could put a record out with. And then, so that was my idea, just to do okay. like 400 copies. And um, Because I was listening to a lot of psych folk at the time and I just kind of wanted to, um, yeah, sort of participate in that scene, you know. Okay, so would you say that like Six Organs started, would you call it psych folk, I guess? <laughs> if you had to put yeah. a label on it. Yeah, I mean, that's just what, that's what I called it at the beginning. I was like, oh, it's just psych folk. It's like okay. Russell Machine or Incredible String Band or um, oh, yeah. uh, Comus, you know, like I, those are my influences at the beginning, or especially Ghost. I was very heavily influenced by okay. uh, the Japanese band Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and uh, you know that's that's what I wanted to do. So in that, all that stuff was described as psych folk. And actually, really big influence was um, so there's a label called PSF from Japan. They they were my favorite label for a long time. Still kind of are, and um, they did all sorts of stuff. But they did a compilation um, called Tokyo Flashback, and it was their third one, Tokyo Flashback Three. And the photograph on the front was like the offices because the label also had a storefront in Japan. And so the picture on the front is the storefront with just these stacks of records everywhere. But right up front is a box and there's just a label and it just says psych folk. And then there's all these records in there. And you know, when I was younger, it was like, what is in that box? What treasures are in that box? And so the idea was like, I want to do a record that would be filed in that box on the cover of PSF Tokyo flashback three in the psych folk box. That was kind of, that was a big influence. Whoa. Yeah. That's really cool. I'm like even wondering now, like what was in that box, but, uh, <laughs> like. yeah, I don't, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, they put out, I don't know if it was PSF stuff in a the box. They didn't, they didn't put out much vinyl. So, mm. um, but yeah, pretty, yeah, that was a big influence pretty wild wow yeah i think that definitely that's kind of i mean when i first discovered six organs and that you know there was that sort of same kind of like mystique um because i think the first thing i heard was uh, rtz which is there's like hmm. 
quite limited information in there and it's just like these long crazy songs and i was just like what what is it it just it 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 was so crazy so like (laughs) and it was discovered similarly you know it was just like this random thing and i was like oh this cover's really cool like looks looks like it could be metal (laughs) yeah and and i grabbed it and i was just like wow this is this is something else entirely um really something spectacular but it had that same kind of mystique that just like a box labeled psych folk would you know kind of have with it so oh that's really nice to hear thank you yeah i mean i'm taking that as i mean thank you because that's that's yeah, I I kind of try to nurture that to an extent at the beginning. I think by the mm. time RTZ came out, people definitely knew who I was and all that stuff. But the RTZ was a collection of really early recordings. Yeah. So I was trying to kind of go back to that aesthetic a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like in South Africa as well, it's even like a little bit more, it's pretty isolated, you know, musically. Right. Um but then, you know, from there, obviously, there was like the drag city stuff at that point, you know, School of the Flower and that kind of stuff was art, right? Um, which still kind of carried that mystique to me anyway. I was like, I, I didn't even know what drag city was at that point. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but yeah, uh, but then I guess like Six Organs, the, the, the kind of the sound of the project has evolved over time. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily call it psych folk anymore uh, right I, yeah it's sort of changed for sure yeah. especially with like um i don't know like ascent and you know some of the electric stuff so i'm interested to hear like what you would describe that kind of music that six organs has put out as i mean i guess i just it's it it always depends on who i'm talking to Okay. So if it's if it's friends of my parents who asked what kind of music you do, I say, oh, it's acoustic, you okay. know. And if it's if it's uh, a record collecting, you know, person, then you know, goes deep with private press, then I might say, oh, you know, I was influenced. Like I said, like I was really influenced mm. by Comus or something. You know, I might get a little deeper. So. Uh, the description wise i just say i'm i mean i'm on an indie label so i just say i'm like indie okay. now even though that means i mean that's that means everything you know but it's it seems like i don't really know that's kind of what i just say you know yeah and, and it's like it's i don't know it's 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 weird because also as soon as you start saying like psych folk or i think even if you just make like music that's sort of got a bit of a drone element and a little bit of a sort of improvisational quality at times to it people start kind of attributing weird stuff like spiritualism and new age mm, and, for and sure. that sort of thing so i don't know is that like something that you do you, was that like an intention of yours it does that even happen to you do people like come to you and be like this music is feels so spiritual to me it's a weird thing, you know, that word spiritual, because uh, it's so easy to put on a, a cloak like that, you know? I mean, I, I didn't mean that literally, but actually is li- <laughs> it's very so easy to put on a literal cloak. <laughs> Say, hey, I'm spiritual. Um, yeah. You know, it. I guess because 
I have an interest in those sort of things. I see how easy that would be to present yourself like that. And there's no doubt that in the beginning, I probably tried to present myself a little like that. But that was more from being influenced by other bands that were mm. trying to be, or not trying to be, but were a little more mysterious or whatever. I, just kind of following in those footsteps. And then, um, yeah, I'm a little, it's hard for me. I could definitely do that more if I wanted to. I don't, I'm very guarded with my own kind of particular beliefs in a way because, mm. uh, you know, to the point where I've straight up lied in interviews with certain things because I don't, I don't really think anyone needs to know exactly yeah. what I do. But at the same time, if I did, oh, well, I do this and I do that. And, you know, you can really make yourself up into something. So I did a couple interviews maybe it was like last year and two of the people said, Oh, I read an interview where you described yourself as a, you know, a nihilist. And I could not remember ever describing myself as that, but cause I do not consider myself that, but I can see saying that at some point, if somebody was just, yeah, you know, com- oh, coming at and I'm you. Like, yeah, I would be like, no, 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 no. So, um, it's weird. Yeah, it's um look, I'm 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 not trying to get you to like say that you're spiritual or like of oh, some particular I, you know, ilk. I'm just interested because I know yeah. people tend to make these sorts of associations and Oh yeah, know. yeah. No, I I don't think you're trying to at all. I was okay. just <laughs> say in other news. No, no, no. I don't think you're trying to um uh yeah, just mm, that's, yeah, it's easier. <laughs> I don't even know where I'm going anymore. I'm just rambling. Uh, it's all good, man. It's all good. But but I but I get what you're saying. Like you 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 can sort of throw people in directions, and I don't know. Maybe like could have been a bit fun to be like, yeah, I'm a nihilist. So take yeah. Do, I don't know what you're gonna do with that information, but I'm interested to <laughs> to, yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have. I have references to things I'm interested all throughout music, but they usually, um, they usually are song titles Mm. or in lyrics. I don't necessarily think the music itself is infused with any sort of spiritualism any more than any music is. Um, and I believe all music is. And, uh, but what, what that is, they're sort of not hidden things, but maybe more veiled references. And I've done that throughout the years to meet people so that somebody who might be interested in the same thing will pick up a reference and maybe come to a show and say, I noticed this song title. Do you mean this? And I'll say, yes, I did mean that. Are you interested in that? Yes. And then it becomes very cool. And so I've become really good friends with people over the years because of that sort of thing. So that's, that's about the extent probably of infusing any particular like belief in it. It's mostly to meet people. Okay. Okay. Well, that's pretty cool. That's actually like a really practical way to meet people with shared interests. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's, that's, that's awesome, man. And, um, with your other projects, like I know, um, you know, or, or maybe it's just like what I see and stuff online a lot is um, people still talk about comets on fire a lot, 
I don't know if Comet's on fire or just sort of taking a rest or whatever. Um, yeah, it was cra- I don't but, know who these people were. They weren't. They were never at the show. But I don't. <laughs> it's all these people talking about comments on fire. It's like really because you weren't. Yeah. There's nobody at the show. I don't know. No, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. It reminds me of. Um, I played a show with Ohm before before Sleep got back together. Okay. And uh, and Al Al was playing, and somebody this was before Sleep got back, and uh, somebody yelled out, "Dope smoker." And Al just goes at the microphone and goes, you're 20 years too late. And then just, you know, went into a home song is killer. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, that's the thing. Like a lot of those sorts of, of bands, like I guess, like with Comets, were, the, were you guys playing like tiny gigs or what was the I mean, it wasn't, situation? Yeah, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't very big. I mean, it wasn't mm. small, but it was like, I don't know, 100 people maybe. Okay. So it was, it was good. We could, a cool club i mean it wasn't huge i mean we played some really fun festivals and atp festival and we played some really fun things but it was pretty small band mm-hmm. you know yeah and how would you describe that music um well we liked to drink a lot of beer back then it was sort of just loud and distorted and drinking beer and having a lot of fun really um just it was a really fun band. It was really fun touring with those guys and stuff. Just a good time. <laughs> I would say, yeah. I don't think there was too much more. I mean, depends how detailed people want to get. I mean, one cool thing was Ethan. Mm. An interesting thing about that band was Ethan's lyrics were always pretty cool. And um, Ethan Ethan was a modern literature major. And he would, uh, he, I mean his references are pretty wild as well, but you can't hear anything he's saying. So he's writing these really crazy cool lyrics and then it's just going through this echoplex and you can yeah. hardly understand. So I always thought that was a pretty fun project, which is probably why you kind of wanted to, one of the reasons to do Hal and Rain is so people could actually hear what he's saying, you know? Okay. But yeah. I'm still, I'm still in really good terms with all of those guys. Um, it's just, uh, Sometimes sometimes people are better friends when they don't play music together, you know? And I think we kind of decided that. So we can all be friends and just kind of, you know. Yeah. But, um, and yeah. they're all still, like, doing other stuff as well. So I always, yeah, but yeah, I every, think everybody's kinda yeah. doing Everyone's kind of doing something. Uh, Noel, who played Echoplex, and Ethan started Hair and Oblivion with Meg Baird oh, and yeah. Charlie. Yeah, they had a record on Sub Pop. And they're almost done with another record. And then you trio who was the drummer. He's in all sorts of bands in the Bay area. Um, and, uh, the bass player, Ben Flashman also plays with the trio and another band in San Diego. So everyone still plays music. Okay. Okay. That's awesome. And, um, yeah. Okay, cool. That, it was fun to hear. Um, I don't know if I describe <laughs> comments very well for people who have, haven't heard. What, what's comments like? It's a bunch of guys drinking beer, man. Yeah, yeah. it's like, all right. I don't think I'm going to listen to that band. <laughs> well, I don't know. Like, I think that I think just the name of the band is like a pretty good uh, advert for what you're going to be hearing. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> so, yeah. so that I think that's awesome. And um, hey, well, anyway, I'm, let's go even further back. Sorry, I don't know well, why, yeah. why, I'm, why I'm doing this, but I like it. So, so you were saying you started with bass. That was was that mm. like your first instrument? And yeah. when did you kind of transition to guitar? Was it when you were saying like when you became a hermit and that, or 
before. Yeah, maybe when I right around eighteen, I think, right when I graduated from high school. Um, then I just yeah, just picked up acoustic guitar and. I mean, the local scene at the time, you know, it's like local punk rock scene, and and uh, we didn't really have a straight edge thing happening here on like on the east coast and there was a lot of partying and i just don't really party that much not not at that time i didn't really drink at that time so i just mm. felt like kind of an outcast anyway so it was just easier for me to go and play acoustic guitar in my room in a way so i'd say right around 17 or 18 okay and it was actually nick drake who we wrote about a bit yeah on, <laughs> online so yeah he was he was the one i mean uh, I was actually introduced to Nick Drake by my dad, and this was way before the Volkswagen commercial, so I didn't know who he was. Um, he was still a bit underground when the first box set. Mm. Oh no, it was the second box set. First box set was the vinyl, I think, and then the CD. Then it came out on CD, and my dad got it, and I was still living at home. I just graduated, and um, my dad was treating this box set before he opened it up, like it was like, oh, wait, do you hear this? Wait, do you hear this? And I was like, yeah, whatever go to listen to creator or something, but then, yeah, he, and then he played it and I don't know. Yeah. It just, something happened and it just, I was like, yeah, I kind of became a fanatic for a while, especially with the guitar playing as we were yeah. talking about. I mean, he became, he's so known for his personality and the probable mm. suicide and all of that. But I, his guitar playing is so overlooked. Um, and that's what really, really got me was his guitar playing yeah that's awesome that your dad introduced you because my dad introduced me to nick drake as well no way <laughs> um, yeah no way and he he's got like some crazy like you know like the island with the pink label of five leaves left you know like the the wow. sort of early pressings um but the first one he played me was pink moon because it was the only one he had on cd and i had a cd player yeah. and he was like I think he was trying to get me to stop listening to like loud, heavy music. And he I was like, like, my dad too. That's try, weird. Try, try this out. And it also, we like, have the same, wait, do we have the same dad? Are, are we long? This is really weird. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. That's so, crazy. Yeah. And, 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 you know, similar experience. Um, but um, yeah, I, I guess when you hear that, that that you just want to like immerse yourself in acoustic guitar and and kind of learning that sort of stuff, and and a lot yeah. of that that kind of same music. Well, I don't know if it's not the same music, but you know those like British sort of folk guitarists like Bert Jansch and um, I don't know if you ever got into John Martin um, yeah. and and that yeah, kind yeah. of stuff as well. But all of that, it's just. That, that that was the rabbit hole to acoustic music for me. Um, me too. Me too. Nick Drake was opened it up for all of the Brit guys, and and I was lucky. There was a really cool record store here, still here, but a different owner. And uh, but the owner at the time, uh, I think maybe he thought it was really weird that there was this eighteen year old kid who was into this music. And when he found out I was into Nick Drake, he's the one who said, oh, you like Nick Drake? You got to check this record out. And he had a copy of Solid Air and said, you know, this was Nick's friend. And then that's how I got into John Martin. Yeah. And then at the time, nobody, you know, Fairport Convention Records for three bucks, Fahey Records for three dollars. It was back. Yo. And then I was just collecting all of this stuff. Just nobody really cared about it in 90, 
91 or whatever and um mostly at this record store people's records and then that's and then i just became obsessed with that at the same time i was listening to more experimental music um and they were very split for me so I didn't even know that the people who were doing experimental music were into the folk stuff. Of course, it makes sense later. I just thought mm. there were two different worlds, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. S- sort of like on a, I don't know, just like on an aesthetic level, they seem so far apart uh, when you're right. first discovering that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it is crazy how like you start seeing connections later like that are not that go beyond just like volume and distortion and that kind of thing yeah yeah okay. i remember reading a interview it was sonic youth was in like guitar world in 90 or 91 or something and lee ronaldo was saying what a big leo kotke fan he was and it blew my mind i was like no way so reading little things like that was pretty cool I must confess, like, Leo Kotke is one guitarist that I still need to get into. Like, mm. all I've, I've never actually, like, it's, it's my own fault. Like, I've never actually, like, sat down to try and get into an album. I've just, I've just, you know, so many sort of guitar players or, like, <laughs> have, like, sat me down and been like, you got to watch this YouTube video of him. Oh, yeah. And he's crazy, like, with the 12 string and slide and yeah. stuff. It's absolutely insane um so i'm gonna just ask you for a recommendation <laughs> for a good yeah. kotki record to sort of start with yeah um, i mean well his classic is six and 12 string guitar that everyone talks about because fahey put it out on tacoma my okay. favorite is the live one he did um called my feet are smiling and because he plays all of those songs on six and 12 string but twice as fast i mean he plays guitar so fast it's it's like a it's blur. ridiculous. It's not even in this live record. I mean, it's not even the notes aren't very. He's he's not very articulate with the notes. It's just this, which I loved. I mean, it sounded like punk rock. It was just like it sounded like the Misfits. It was just so <laughs> live Misfits. It was so fast and so blurred out. And you're like, is this a song? What is what is going on right now? Um, and it sounded that so nuts. Cool. And I love yeah, I love that that record's amazing. So. Yeah, my feet are smiling. I mean, people people in the underground here, they talk a lot of shit about um, Kotke because he's kind of still around and there was a rift between him and Fahey. People think they have to choose sides. And, um, you know, Kotke, he's got kind of this Americana. Uh, there's this terrible show in the States called Lake Wobegon Days, and it's terrible. So he has a little of Lake Wobegon style, but at, but that's why people don't like But I think he's amazing. I've seen him live six times whoa and he's a great entertainer he's really he just kind of rambles these crazy mm. stories um I, I yeah i really like him a lot you know um album was my feet are smiling at me oh just my feet are smiling oh just my feet are smiling okay cool my feet are smiling at me would be a killer psychedelic record though so yeah does that next I thought that was like his thing. I was like, oh my God, did like Leo Kotke actually start shoegaze before shoegaze <laughs> was a thing? Yeah. Like, or gazing shoe because the other way around, I don't know. Right. Like, um, but anyway, um, yeah, yeah. You were talking about Leo Kotke. Don't know if you and and in the at the gig and that. Um, yeah, don't know if you wanted to add anything further no he's just, he's good i like him i like him a lot I okay like him, so 
Yeah. Well, I will definitely check that live record out. Uh, it sounds super exciting, like super fast. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm interested to hear now, just like your view of guitar as an instrument, uh, because I always find like guitarists kind of sit on a spectrum where on the one end, they are just like, I don't care about it as an object. It's just a tool. Uh, give me any guitar and I'll, you know, use it to just create with and, you know, I will, I will associate no value with the instrument. And then on the other end of the spectrum, you get guitarists who are like, name their guitars like Severian and just right. love and love their instrument and, right. you know, will like sleep with it and, you know, take, take real good care of it and everything. So I'm just kind of interested to hear like where you would place yourself on that spectrum of guitar love <laughs> i'm probably closer to the first one okay know, i've only had i've only had two acoustic guitars in the last 18 years just i just get one and just play it um i don't yeah i don't uh i mean i'd like to have maybe something a new one that sounds a little different but i definitely don't get into the thing where i'm always looking for a new guitar or okay I don't know a lot about them, um, so I just <laughs> I always I always uh, rely on friends for their help or whatever on things. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely closer to the first one. Okay, okay, fair enough. With the two guitar, well, the two acoustic guitars that you're talking about, did one of them just like conk out, or are they both kind still of operational? It feels, oh. Yeah, I just I just kind of got tired of the tone, and um, I wanted. It was kind of modern sounding. It was a Alvarez Yari, mm. and um, yeah. So I just wanted something new. But I was playing it from 2004 until 2019. So okay. I just kept that guitar for the entire time, and didn't change or anything. So I was like, "Yeah, it works fine." That's yeah. like the bulk of six organs, or like a. A significant period of time, almost. Yeah, okay. yeah. It was the it was basically the guitar from School of the Flower through uh, speaking record wise. You know, in two thousand four, mm. two thousand that was two thousand five, but recorded two thousand four. Um, from there until the last, uh, yeah, um, burning the threshold in two thousand seventeen. So that was the same guitar throughout all of that. That's really impressive, actually. Like, wow. Okay, that's awesome, though. Yeah. And I know before then, um, I, I know, like, I saw a while ago, you, like, posted on Instagram, like, an old, like, a Fender acoustic, but one of those sort of cheapy Fender acoustics, and you were like, this is the guitar that I think you used on yeah. four Octavio Paz. Um, yeah. And, and That was just, my first acoustic. Yeah. Whoa, okay. So was that like everything before School of the Flower mm -hmm. was in that? Yeah, all six organs up until School of the Flower were, were done with that guitar, which had really terrible intonation. So, Which is why the song Elk River has terrible intonation on it. Um, and if I would have known, it would, people, yeah, I probably would have fixed the intonation on that song a little bit. But, uh, you know. It's, it's, it's kind of like become part of the charm of it now though. Or mm -hmm. I think so. Like, cause I love that recording. Like that, that album is one that I really, really love, you know? Um, 
And it was one that was really hard to find like a physical copy of, well, in South Africa anyway, for quite a long Mm. time until the reissue, Um, which was also a remaster, right? Because it sounds, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I listened to the first master and I felt like maybe they took off some high end in order to take off some tape hiss. And so Mm. I kind of would rather have tape hiss from the four track and get more full range of the of the guitar so that's kind of what i chose to do so i kind of did the opposite of what you think of remastering and it actually sounds a little bit noisier but Mm. in order to get more of the range of the guitar yeah and like that airiness that Mm -hmm. yeah it's really it's it's fantastic and also there was like a little cheeky three track ep hey wasn't there yeah 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 i found that when i was doing a remaster i found these other songs so i just put it up for free on um on Bandcamp, Thank you. you know? And our Bandcamp is just wonderful. Like, oh, it's great. It, so good. Especially like living somewhere where there's no like record pressing plants or, you know, it, it, it's hard to get physical music out right. in South Africa. And so like Bandcamp right. is just, it just like opened the underground, you know, stuff that used to be like really difficult to get. Like, oh, it's, uh, I don't know. I just love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do too. I do too. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah, and um, okay, but it's interesting what you say about the guitars. But and like, but by that token, do you feel that the guitar you play can influence the music you create, or has a a significant influence on the music you create? Um, I guess so. I mean, I probably started playing in open tunings because that first guitar, the action was so high, Uh, it was really hard to play. So. Um, probably, I think probably each guitar has its own kind Mm. of thing. When you pick up a new guitar, you always kind of come up with new songs. Yeah. Or if you just, I I just had, I just finally changed my strings to a different kind of string that was recommended to me by a local, um, uh, student, Anthony at, uh, Wildwood Music, who just set up my guitar, suggested, uh, using nickel strings. And I've been phosphor bronze my entire life. We were talking, and so, um, yeah, I love the sound of these nickel strings, so I might just play nickel strings for for a while now. They sound really great. So that's, you know, that's definitely influenced the way I'm playing right now on this library record and stuff. Man, like, I'm so stoked to hear you say that, because the nickel thing, honestly, like, I've tried explaining to people, like, what the difference is like, because I feel like there's a big difference, and the reason why... You know, I, I, I tried out nickel string or like sought out nickel strings was because apparently back in the 60s and that, that was what strings were primarily made out of. So if you wanted that kind of tone that like is on incredible string band records and on those Nick Drake right. records and that, they were all playing nickel strings. And I was like, right. let me let me try this out. And um, yeah, I just find it's like a lot m- like warmer, mellower I don't know. I, I really like them. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. It seems to have Yeah. <laughs> it seems to have more of a um even range for me. I'm very heavy-handed with my thumb on the 6th and 5th strings and I, I always have to cut those frequencies um on the recording and I don't have to do that as much with these so pretty happy okay. with it. Interesting. Wait, but so like wait, so with phosphor bronze, are you saying that you would get like what, like a lot more like low end 
or yeah i actually got more low end with the phosphor bronze okay so i don't know yeah interesting because i had like the the inverse where i was getting like way high end because i think <laughs> i kind of claw up like right. when i play it right. like yank those sort of trebly strings and then when i went to nickel suddenly like the you know the the lower end stuff kind of held its own a bit better right so but yeah, i guess it seems exactly to even things is, out yeah, yeah it evens it out ah hmm okay well anyway sorry i got like unreasonably excited about that <laughs> well this is a guitar podcast we should be talking about guitars so that's nickel nickel strings but, but like one of the other reasons why i was asking like about different guitars influencing your playing i see for the listeners there's a very spiky guitar on Ben's wall behind him. Um, or I can just see like a little bit of a spiky guitar. And I think That's I true. saw a picture of you with that guitar when the Veiled Sea came out. Yeah. 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 What, is that the guitar you used on that record by any chance? I did do some guitar solos with that. It's a very pointy Jackson guitar that I only got because I like the shape. And we're going back to Dave Mustaine actually. Um, it's really hard to play for me because the thing about those guitars is there's so many notes on them. I didn't realize I've never played a shredder guitar before. You know, there's so many notes on them that the notes down at the end by the head are like really wide. They're really wide in order to fit all the notes up to the, whatever you got to two octaves or whatever Mm. of the neck. So it's the fretboards are completely different than normal, Damn. like a like a Strat or something, which I didn't realize. I got it maybe two years ago just to um, sort of practice. It's supposed to. I got it for my Rongda guitar, okay. and it's a pretty <laughs> it's a pretty cheap one. Um, and because I want to um, switch out the pickups to maybe more jazz style okay. pickups, a little more mellow, and um, uh, because I thought it'd be funny to tour with that guitar and Rongda, but then have the sound be really, you know, not these really high output humbuckers, yeah. but have, have like kind of a mellower sound mm. and then probably have to, probably have to switch out the nut cause it's like cheap plastic, do something nice mm. and bone or something. So that was my project. But since I don't know when the next time Rongda is going to play, it's been kind of on the back burner to, to sort of tweak okay. the guitar a little bit. Okay. Okay, so Rangda. Okay, I've been pronouncing it incorrectly for <laughs> a couple oh, of years. <laughs> that's okay. Hey, all of us, Chris and I in the band mm. also were, uh, we were named by Rick Bishop. And uh, mm. it took us a few months of Rick uh, correcting our pronunciation as well. So it's Rangda, it's Rangda. I'm like, okay, okay. okay so, noted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's awesome though. But like, I, I don't know, like, when I listen to The Veiled Sea and I just hear, like, the, the shreds, obviously it's got to be played on a guitar that looks like that. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, um, it was pretty fun. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, and I think it would be... I, I would have been, like, blown away if you rocked up on stage with that guitar for, for Ronda, for, for anything. I would have been super surprised to see that in your hands, like because it is yeah. so associated with like thrash or you know speed metal or you know black yeah. metal or something like that. Like, yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah, it would be pretty fun, especially because Rick kind of plays this big red hollow body. So I thought they would like contrast really well. Yeah, he he seems to be like 
I don't know, just from afar, he seems to be like a connoisseur of like the old sort of really nice vintage guitars and things like that. Yeah, he knows his mm. guitars. Going on tour with Rick, he stops at a lot of guitar places and checks out guitars and will buy a guitar at the end of tour and things like that, you know? Okay. Wow. Yeah, it must be like great to go with somebody like that who actually knows what they're talking about because, <laughs> well, like for me yeah. anyway, I, I struggle sometimes and like, yeah, I've ended up with some guitars that are not... Not the greatest, but um, right, yeah. <laughs> but um, so, like, when you're writing music and that, you know, like I, I would say, you know, the the guitar itself kind of, to a certain degree, can influence it in that. But um, I don't know if you are, are you willing to share kind of some other themes or uh, things that inspire you kind of creatively and give you that kind of desire to create music like what actually inspires you to create it hmm i guess it, it would depend on the project that's why i have different projects you know um rongda mm. the inspiration is mostly to play music with those two guys in the band because i really like their music a lot mm. and it's really fun to play with them um six organs i just Six Organs just feels like it's never really done. There's always another record I have in my head, another mm. sound or something that I want to... So I'll just be finishing up a record, and uh, but I want to do a record that sounds like this. And since I'm just one person, I don't have to argue with other members of the band as far as what a record's going to sound like or anything. I just say, okay, mm. well, then I just go ahead and do it, you know? Okay. And now also like that you're doing stuff under your own name, you know, with these, well, with mm. the intimate, intimate landscape and now another one. Um, I guess that that's like a whole other kind of venture into sound that you can kind of journey down now. Yeah. I, mm. because I don't like to pack a, a six organs records with solo acoustic guitar stuff, but I, Mm. always playing solo acoustic guitar and writing songs here and there. So it just now I have a place to put those songs. Yeah. With the library music. Could I guess like what burning the threshold was sort of the last one that was very kind of acoustic sounding. I suppose mm -hmm. companion rises to a degree, but that one was really yeah. cool. Like I enjoyed the sort of Cynthia and it was like program beats on that. Am I mm -hmm. correct? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And then the next record that I just turned into Drag City is very acoustic. Oh, is it? So, <laughs> yeah. So six um, organs or mm -hmm. okay. it'll be six organs. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It takes so long to press records now. It'll probably be sometime in 2023, I imagine. Okay. But that that's specifically very well. Whatever. It's funny. I told Drag City this after I finished recording it. If it comes out in 2023. I did not mean to do this, but I realized it seems like every six years I re release a record that's more, if this one comes out in 2023, that's more an acoustic level with School of Flower coming out in 2005 and then uh, Asleep on the Floodplain 2011 and Burning Threshold 2017. Then this one, if it comes out in 2023, it's like every six years I end up putting out more acoustic kind of record it seems like i didn't mean to do that i just figured it out it just sort of happens yeah it's really weird I, I i mean i'm sure something 
some kind of cycle with yeah within me just like oh it's time to do something mellow you it's know co- cool that it's every six years as well to just it's sort of really keep weird with the six organs uh, yeah you know, it's six so years. weird yeah yeah it's really it. weird that's cool that's cool but do you have plans to also like con- continue with the noisy electric kind of stuff um i think so i've got some ideas for some <laughs> some okay, noisier no, 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 stuff no. <laughs> i got well, it's hard to say because i just finished the really mellow mm-hmm. one but yeah i mean after i finish a record when i want to record after that i rarely want to do the sound that i just did because otherwise it would just be on that record so it's usually mm-hmm. sealing it up okay done kind of working on so and before i had different projects and bands but in these times, I haven't really got together with too many people, so now I'm just doing the different projects and sounds mm. by myself. Okay. How, how are things in the USA when it comes to, like, touring and COVID and all of that now? I don't know. It's pretty easy. If you want to go on tour, you can just do it. Everyone's just taking risks and going out and then mm. eventually getting it, you know? So Yeah. If, it's, it seems like you can do it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, doesn't sound necessarily ideal under the circumstances, but... Not for me. I don't... It's not that important, you know. That's why... Uh, oh, maybe I'll make some library records and just hang out in my house, you know. That's kind I, of I'm, the plan. I'm stoked, man. Like, I, I, yeah, like, studio output is great <laughs> for, yeah. for, for the likes of me as well, who's also... <laughs> right some somewhat hermetic and like doesn't really like to get out much like so that's that's awesome um you know for 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 my my own sort of selfish needs um but and i guess it's kind of interesting like you can do a lot of experimenting with like composition and that and like with your composition is it like are there sort of a lot of improvisational elements to it um or do you like it sounds like you do have a bit of an intention before you go into a project these days um mm-hmm. so i'm kind of interested like you know if, i don't know if you're willing to sort of divulge your secrets of your songwriting um and kind of what your process is behind I, that yeah i don't really know if i have any secrets or even uh <laughs> i just Every song is time. Every record's a little different. Every song. I mean, the library mm. records are all composed. There's okay. sort of a formula you have to do with it. We don't have to, but you know, at least two parts, at least like verse, chorus with the acoustic guitar. Okay. Try to throw a bridge in, because um, it's a little more standard. But so, but I don't have to do that with acoustic. I mean, with a six organs acoustic, I just I could just do one riff if I want. And um, I mean, with six organs, it's usually layered. So yeah. there's not a lot of changes. I just think about layering things. And then the changes occur with the separation of layers on top of the main riff or whatever. That's kind of how I've been doing it since the beginning, for the most part. Mm. Uh, there's obviously songs that have changes and stuff, but that's generally how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, like that, what you're talking about, like those layers and that. I remember like when I first heard School of the Flower, like the song School of the Flower, I was just blown away that, I mean, I I guess I was somewhat sheltered at that point. Like I knew kind of folk, you know, old British folk music and that, but I didn't know, I didn't know much like sort of free improvisational drone type of Mm. stuff at that stage. Um, But I remember that record was the first one where I was just like, wow, you can just have like a motif for, 
10 minutes and just like add stuff to it and and and, and yeah. completely change the the feel and the sort of like emotional impact if you will of yeah. the track and like the the kind of almost the meaning of the song just changes you know and like electric guitar drops in with those crazy filter sweeps and stuff i was just like wow this yeah. is <laughs> who knew you could just write a song like this without you know yeah. changes and verses and choruses like it blew my mind um right so so that that's a really cool kind of i don't know I, 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 yeah that was a very cool thing that that i heard on those but i also know like you do have songs you know that that mm -hmm. kind of have different parts and that so I yeah yeah well a song like that it helps if you have somebody like chris corsano who's a maniac on the drums and is so just textural in his own playing um mm. you know he really makes that song the, the ideas are okay but it just his playing i mean this is a joke i constantly make in interviews but corsano is like i think of him as uh you know he's like a he's like a martini uh bandmate in that if you're playing with him, you can just fix yourself a martini and you have to, you can half play and drink your martini. And as long as Chris is playing, mm. it's going to be a great, you know, show yeah. will be just fine. You, you don't, not, not that I, you know, but you know, you don't have, I mean, Chris is going to make sure everything's cool. You know, he's yeah. an amazing musician. Yeah, he's like sufficiently engaging as a drummer to not really require anything else. <laughs> like, yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Like those records yeah. he's done with Bill Orcutt. So, oh, like, yeah. similarly, just like wow, the drums are mm -hmm. just out of this world. Like, <laughs> I don't know how 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 like a person can kind of just produce that, you know, constantly. And I mean, like those records, it's like. And even on that track, you know, School of the Flower, it's like it never just drops into like a, to my ears anyway, like a, just a standard yeah. drum pattern. It's just like really all over the place, but somehow really kind of coherent and cohesive the whole way through. Martini yeah. drummer. I like it. I like yeah. it. Yeah, that yeah. song, School of the Flower, was a real studio kind of project because mm. that's, a, that's a tape loop, a physical tape loop on... Um, I think it's on two inch oh no it's on maybe they did it on quarter um but because the riff is so long to do the tape loop they had to have mic stands around the studio to weave the tape going in and out and in, into the uh, um, you know the tape machine and then they transferred that over to the big tape machine and then chris's part well i had ideas for it but i had a really bad cold that night so I retired early and just had some ideas. And when I woke up in the morning, Chris had done these different drum takes and said, well, we did this and we did that. And it was, I was so pleased. I was so happy. I was, it was better than what I imagined. So, and then I just kind of finished it up. So that's kind of how that song was put together. That's really amazing. Like <laughs> I had no idea like of any yeah. of that. Um, Wow, the tape thing sounds quite cool as well. Like I, I've never really recorded with tape or anything, so it just sounds, I don't know, kind of enjoyable that it's like a physical thing that's like flowing through the room and looping yeah. out like that. But yeah, uh, it was really cool. Also, sounds a little bit scary to be honest. <laughs> yeah, uh, the engineers, the uh, yeah, Bill and Jessica, the engineers there at uh, 
uh, Key Club studio in Michigan. Mm. It was the first time I'd recorded six organs in the studio. I'd been in a studio with Comets, but it was the first six organs recording. And um, they were just open to every idea, and they were very much in experimenting and having fun. So it was the perfect place to do that Mm. record. Paid off. I mean, like, with just even just that track alone, like, that sounds... Mm, it, thank you. It's a it's a wonderful document to come come out of a session like that. With the Comets records, would that be like largely recorded live in a studio? It's kind of got that feel. Um, s- some of the songs are pure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, some of the songs are just straight live. Um, mm-hmm. There's not a lot. There's a lot of uh, guitar overdubs for the solos because that was our idea to just layer these solos on. Um, which really a lot of that idea came from this band major stars in um who are from uh boston um and before that uh um they were in a band called crystallized movements which were a really big influence on comets and they have songs where it's at a certain level and then when the electric guitar comes in it's just so much louder um for the solo it's like they're not trying to pretend like it's natural it's very much a studio like (laughs) and um that was a big big influence especially on the comets uh, field recordings Mm. from from the sun record um so some of the comet stuff uh but it wasn't really recorded in a way of oh we all jam and then everybody re-records all their parts most of it's all pretty live okay yeah uh, that comes across and that's like i don't know that's that's one of the great things about those albums as well is that like live feel but i hear what you're saying about the solo that just like rips through <laughs> and overwhelms yeah. and it's like i don't know super satisfying must have been really satisfying to record like just being in the studio cranking that up Sounds yeah like it was time. pretty fun and definitely check out major stars okay no i will because sort of I, I, I don't know them yeah so yeah, in crystallized movements, um, Wayne Rogers and uh, Kate, they're incredible musicians. Okay. Wait, Major Stars, Crystallized Movements, is that another project? Uh, crystallized Movements was two of the people from Major Stars were in Crystallized Movements before okay. that. Okay. Um, just, just like Heavy Psych, Heavy Psych. Band. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, I'll definitely check it out. I'll definitely go for it. So I had like some sort of geekier guitar questions which you've actually yeah. largely answered already like i was going to ask nice. you about strings and you've like knocked that one out. Nice. but like one nice. thing that is still here is um when it comes to your electric rig so like mm. with pedals and amps and that sort of thing um mm-hmm. do you have like a standard rig or do you know amp preferences pedal preferences what's your sort of go-to I mean, just because I've I bought it a long time ago and don't really feel any need to change it. I just play a Fender Twin, Silverface, um, and then all of the Comet stuff was recorded. All of my parts were recorded with just I just have a tuner and just the DS1 Orange Boss distortion. Just That's like it. Stuck <laughs> because. If it breaks, then I can just go grab something. Uh, there are a few reasons for it. And w- one is because Ethan had really nice fuzz pedals. And mm-hmm. and his fuzz took up so much space in the best way. But they're so mm-hmm. loud. It just takes up all the space that I couldn't 
I found I couldn't really play fuzz if he was playing fuzz because things kind of got lost. But if I played a distortion pedal that was more compressed and more like kind of laser beam style, then I could sneak through and the guitars would become a little more distinctive. So mm. he's playing fuzz on everything and then I'm playing like more distortion. So that was sort of how that worked out. With uh, six organs, I've kind of change up and do more fuzz pedal kind of stuff. Um, so the hexatic record was done with a hyper fuzz. Okay. That I was also borrowing. Bossy. Yeah. Mm. But I didn't. I never bought a hyper fuzz. I just bought a pedal that is a lot like a hyper fuzz. So, but you know, live live six organs electric is. I don't really have a lot of pedals. Maybe okay. a distortion, maybe a fuzz. I was using some Devi ever fuzz pedals, mm. but I'm not a huge pedal person either. Just okay. I like the idea of. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just, I don't know. I like the idea of just setting up and playing and. You know, maybe from playing yeah. so many part- parties when I was younger and just comments really, if there's one thing we prided ourselves in, it's was to be able to get in to a party, set up really fast, play a short set, 25 minutes and leave, not leave the party, but leave mm-hmm. so that somebody yeah. else could get up and play immediately. <laughs> that was the only thing we were really proud about. We were like, well, we can do that. We can get in, set up fast, play really hard, get off. Like that was the kind of our thing. That that is like a super admirable quality in band in a band though, because like I know so many bands that take so long to set up oh, or yeah. to like break. Everybody down. likes like, yeah yeah. Everybody mm. likes the band that can get the hell off the stage, you know. So absolutely, you know, we just we don't want to piss anybody off. It's like yeah, we're done. It's your turn. So That's it's like, more fun for everybody too. Yeah, that was one of the things that actually drew me to just playing acoustic guitar because I was mm, like, right. I don't need to bring an amp. <laughs> I can just like yeah. plug, plug right in and just go play, get the hell off there, like be gone yeah. um, without getting when I tour, here. Mm. When I tour with acoustic guitar and I'm playing with an electric band or I'm mm. opening up or like when I opened up for Ohm a couple of years ago and uh, yeah, when it's time to go, I just put my acoustic in the case and I say, see you guys later. And they turn around and look at their big green amplifiers <laughs> and their stuff. I'm in my car. I'm back at the hotel. <laughs> you know. Oh, man. Yeah, their rig, not, well, like the ohm rig, but the sleep rig just looks absolutely ludicrous. Like, I don't know if you yeah. watch those uh, rig rundowns. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're crazy. The, the, the Matt Pike one was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> the, yeah. That wall of orange amps. I don't know. I would love to see it and I would love to like feel it because I can imagine the feeling, but that's know, one I, of my favorite rig. Ru- that's one of my favorite rig <laughs> rundowns actually with Matt, like every pedal is all oh, this pedal. This is, this is, this sounds like a battle ax cutting orcs heads off. All right. Well, what does this pedal sound like? This pedal sounds like a demon crawling out of your sternum, just clawing its way out. And then you yeah. chop its head off. Yeah. So, okay. This is one where he's like, <laughs> it's like a wah, but I don't use it for the wah. I just use it for the oh, filthy yeah. Half buzz. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, that's, a good, that's a good rig rundown. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. But like the thought of having to play with all of that gear does not sound awesome um, yeah. to, to me anyway. But um, yeah, okay. Interesting that you're like not that into, or that you... 
are somewhat sort of limited like you're not into like massive pedal boards and stuff like that because no you get like quite a remarkable amount of sounds um out of your playing and you know on your Mm. electric records and stuff I guess it just goes to show that you don't really need that many pedals. <laughs> I guess some people yeah. are some people they sound amazing with a lot of pedals. Some people know what to do with them. They yeah. are incredible with them and can really make wonderful sounds. I'm I just tend not to really know what to do with all of them. Um mm. Yeah, I mean, some of the, if we're talking records, there might be some songs where the studio engineer had something fun to play as well, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, but the twin is also like just such a reliable amp, so yeah, I can't imagine you get anything different. Like Fender amps, generally, like I find to just sound great and last forever and be ridiculously loud. So. Yeah, ticks all the I boxes. Love my twin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then like the other one, I, I wanted to find out if you had a favorite guitar. I don't know if that is something that you that you can. Do you mean? Mm-hmm. Do you mean one of my own personal favorite guitars, or one out there in the world? I, I meant like one of your own personal, but either I only have a couple. So okay, I, yeah. <laughs> I only I like my. I guess I just most of the electric stuff was done with one I bought in 2012 that's just a um, Fender made in Japan Strat with the humbucker at the bridge. Okay, yeah. That's that's usually what my electric stuff, most of my electric stuff is done with. And acoustic is just whichever one I'm playing yeah. at the moment, which is like this really weird, more modern Martin, not an okay. old style. It's kind of a new new guy with a whole bunch of numbers and letters. Okay, so, yeah. yeah. So do you have just like two acoustics, two electrics? Is that your... Yeah, almost one because my other acoustic is kind of out of shape and uh, I don't really play that ridiculous Jackson (laughs) too much. Um, So yeah, I just kind of have one acoustic and one electric right now. And usually always have, yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's, I don't know, that's, that's really refreshing. (laughs) <laughs> but 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 awesome and you're into tunings and that um i wanted to just find out like if you were willing to divulge on burning the threshold the guitar suddenly became like a lot more kind of happy yeah. sounding i thought mm. was that was that due to a tuning change mm-hmm. yeah chance? uh can't remember the exact tuning i was using mm. i need to figure it out to remember some of those songs mm. but it was in C. It was like some kind of open C tuning okay. that I was doing on some of those songs. And only on that record. And I yeah. never did it again because I realized what a pain in the ass it is to play live. I didn't. I would have to have three or four songs just from that record altogether, tune, come back. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I kind of forgot that tuning. But yeah, that's why. That's exactly why, yeah. Okay, interesting. And then on the Intimate Landscape as well, have you kind of... Adopted that record has songs, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, That has all sorts of tunings on it, but Mm -hmm. because it's a library record, I didn't think I'd ever play any of the songs live, so I didn't document any of the tunings, and I also don't remember how to play any of the songs because it was just I'm just making a library record, so just kind of write a song for two days Mm -hmm. and then record three Mm -hmm. minutes of it. It's a library record, I don't. 
I never really thought I'd play it live. Yeah. Maybe retune the guitar a little bit, do something else, write for a few days, record that song. Never really went back to any of those songs. That's really cool. That was a cool project because of that. Okay, cool. But yeah, so that process, you were like just different tunings, different songs going for it. So is there no plan to take the intimate landscape live at all here? I thought I I just did a little short tour in California. I thought I was going to play some of those songs live. And I just said, nah, I'm so lazy. I, I'm terrible at learning my own songs. Now I have a new thing on this new library record. Because I learned my lesson, I am recording them. And then after I record them, I'm shooting a little video of it. And then of playing it, and then I'm uploading the video actually to the Cubase file because you can run a video file as well. Oh, wow. So they're all embedded within the recordings as well. I won't even have to go back and try to find the, you know, the video. Like, so hopefully that'll help out in in case you know. And I'm kind of keeping them more in the tuning I like the six organs standard okay. tuning for me. Yeah. So well, well, okay. Like two things coming from that one any plan for those videos to be publicly released or is oh, it just no. your own thing? <laughs> no, it would just be so I could remember them. I always think maybe I'll do some videos and then, I don't know, man, it's hard to compete with the athleticism of guitar playing on social media. You know, it's I really can't. Difficult. <laughs> it's wild. You think, ah, well, all right. <laughs> I think I kind of know how to play guitar. Let me look on Instagram. Oh, Look at this five-year-old who's riding a unicycle who's finger-tapping behind their back. Yeah. Well, all right. Maybe I don't need to upload anything to Instagram. <laughs> I guess, like, I don't know. I don't know. Um, yeah, I hear what you're saying. And also, like, I find that, like, people have really, like, professional filming rigs going for their yeah like little instagram videos and stuff and i'm just yeah, like well yeah. i was just gonna like use a cell phone but i guess I'll yeah just, i'll just watch these other ones instead yeah but um, i mean i like it. it's it's mm. a totally new time for guitar playing it's really wild mm. to have followed guitar playing for so long especially seeing shredding come back a bit because people were shitting on that music for so long and i think because of the visual aspect of the athletic aspect of it it's come back and now you have shredder now there's a whole new thing for shredding which is cool i mean i, I liked some of the earlier shredders when i was younger um, i was mm. in the shrapnel records and i was i mean i like jason becker I, okay i can i can talk a little uh, the early shredders i was into um and it's i think it's fascinating how i mean i can't really listen to a whole record of it i love it mm. but after three after three songs yeah kind of I kind of get it but yeah, yeah. um but uh, i still really you know um paul gilbert i love i heard you uh discussing paul gilbert on your podcast <laughs> and uh, i wanted to jump in i almost had to say hey i gotta get in there right now i gotta do yeah. i love paul i love paul gilbert with his uh, little drill thing, he's a. Uh, I mean, that's a funny thing, but I, I. He's just a really nice. He's just a really. Uh, just seems like a really sweet dude, and mm. some of his some of his things. I mean, we're living in such a weird time. You can just go on YouTube and watch, you know, Marty Friedman, talk talk and show like how to do a technique, and no wonder everyone's so shredding nowadays. Yeah, you know, and Marty Friedman is like. He's got like really good instructional videos as well, where he's yeah. not just like 
you know, you can't even see the fingers moving, which is what a lot of shred videos are like. Like he will be like, okay, so this is a classical right. technique. Tell you the name of the technique, like right. slow it down for you. You're just like, holy shit, this is Marty Friedman. Like yeah. free lessons just, just, just all over the place. But yeah, the, yeah. The, sh the shred culture is a big thing. And also now, like, I think you're right about the visual element because you know, there's like all those crazy ergonomic guitars now, you know, that like yeah. Strandberg and that kind of stuff. And they look kind of like Texas. Um, and yeah, it's just, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I really enjoy watching it from afar. Mm. Like, I think it's really interesting. Um, I'm not really participating in it, but as someone who was into early shred culture, mm. it's fascinating to me. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of cool. So, yeah, I mean, it's funny because uh, over the years finding out there's definitely people who do more underground noise type music who so many times I'll talk to them, never think that they were in the shredders. And then it turns out we'll start talking about Jason Becker or Marty Friedman or somebody mm. that they were into younger. But when you hear them you know, these particular guitar, I guess I'm thinking, I'm thinking of a few people, um, you know, I know Alan Licht, um, who's amazing avant guitar player, just from stuff he said, I'm like, Oh, you were in a shredder stuff. Actually, he wrote when Eddie Van Halen died, he brought out a article he wrote on seeing a Van Halen show when he was younger. And so, and then my friend Brian, who did a band called Malthus, which is incredibly just, ear destroying you know um, <laughs> never would have thought he was a uh, in a shredders and that's one of the first things mm -hmm. we bonded over um and all sorts of it so it's always funny uh meeting these people are like oh yeah i used to actually really listen to that a lot you know matt like yeah i don't know like those shredders are hugely like popular because i know even here like one of the guys, I think it might even be the interview you're talking about, this guy, Baron, and he's in punk bands, like really, mm. you know, simple kind of just, you know, balls to the walls, three chord kind of punk bands. And he yeah. was the guy talking about Paul Gilbert and like those sorts of yeah. shredders and stuff. And I was just like, what the, like, you're not, <laughs> you know, you're playing like three chord punk that's supposed to be like, I don't know, against shredding, I guess, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> and no. I, yeah. It, he yeah. knows the stuff, loves the stuff, and yeah, it's it's really cool. And um, even like with a lot of the sort of more modern shredders, they'll be doing like crazy shreds, but kind of clean and over like hip hop beats. And mm. I've started like meeting guys who are like, or you know, uh, guys, girls, whoever, people um, who are really into guitar but are like electronic producers and, mm. you know, into that kind of thing. And they, and they really love like, you know, the, t the sound of, you know, that, like sort of shred tapping and that. And right. cause there's kind of like a percussive element in there as well. And it's right. just, it's really cool to see how it's sort of proliferated beyond just yeah. metal as well and gone into those yeah. sort of electronic spaces. Yeah. So. Tapping has come back and um, you know, what else is really strange that's, that is that one particular tone i do not know how to pronounce this word is it piezo yes the yeah that's or, piezo i always said piezo piezo <laughs> i have no, no idea but, how to pronounce but no, no, no. This. people have schooled me and be like no 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 duncan piezo piezo it so is piezo yeah that's what that I'm particular tone has come back which as an acoustic guitar player 
that's the tone of death. When you hear an acoustic guitar player play with that tone, it sounds so terrible. But that, that tone has sort yeah, of it's... worked its it's worked its way in a modern shred kind of tone. That to me is fascinating. So I, I like I like watching these things move and evolve. Yeah. It blows my mind, uh, but I, lo I love watching it, you know. But like that piezo thing is crazy, though, because I remember like seeing all of a sudden guitars being advertised where it's like it's got, you know, whatever, a humbucker and then it's got a single coil in the neck and it's got a piezo under the bridge. I was like, why yeah. would you oh, want yeah, that? Seen... Like, right. you know, like, why is is that a marketing point? And it, and it is like people are really yeah. into it. And even like some older guitarists like, you know, Adrian Ballou and you yeah. know, Robert Fripp and those guys, they have been using, you know, piezo on electric for, for a while. Interesting. Um, I mean, like when it comes to their music, like I don't really keep up with what they're sort of putting out more recently. But a lot of it is, yeah. I think, like that kind of stuff. And I think that, you know, they were sort of trailblazers that actually kind of shaped guitar in that direction. Um, that's, that's really interesting. I didn't know that. Do you think mm. that they were the ones who kind of started that tone being acceptable for electric guitar players? I, I kind of think so. Because like, I don't know, like Robert, I don't, are you big into like Robert Fripp and King Crimson and that kind of stuff? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to an extent. I don't know. They have a pretty extensive library, but yeah. 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 So like you know some of his more recent stuff like he got that guitar i think where he had like a little midi um pickup under each string and he started doing like almost like synth guitar type stuff and okay yeah and kind of i think that he did make like tones that would be considered like terrible and cheesy quite acceptable yeah. in certain spaces and he also did like this weird thing. I can't remember what it was called, like Robert Fripp's orchestra or something, where he had like forty people playing. That's incredible. You know, you know yeah, those the, like those the, ovation yeah. acoustic guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's <laughs> great videos. It's the mm -hmm. Lee. No, not Lee. It's the oh, I forget the name of it. Yeah, there's a bunch also, of them on YouTube. It's wild it's, though. <laughs> I have a theory. I have a theory. I don't know this but i have a theory that the reason why they're using ovations is because uh robert likes to tune in um fifths instead of fourths yeah so i think maybe with an acoustic guitar maybe there's so much tension on the strings when you start to get up that they needed mm. something stronger i don't know maybe he just likes the aesthetic of an ovation i don't know it's weird but that stuff i love that's so when you throw that on the first time for somebody you say watch this like, what is going on they're so good it's so, so good. awesome like but you know ovations are like one of the biggest offenders when it comes to the piezo sound like a plugged right. in ovation guitar right. oh yeah so a lot of that stuff it's just like it's like a wall of piezo <laughs> and it's just totally it's wild but he makes it work yeah i think that you might be right about that tuning thing though because yeah what it was a new standard that he did and yeah. it's it's insane like you know the E is way down to a C and then right. your B is I think an E and then your E string is like a G or something. It's I don't know, it's 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 ridiculous. Right. So it's like super slack on the lowest strings, but super, you know, up a few steps on the highest strings. Yeah, I mean it's just a theory. I don't know if ovations <laughs> are stronger, but it seems like they are because they're all whatever they are, plastic or fiberglass. Yeah. Or so it would seem like if he's doing acoustic with that project, mm. you know, he, 
I don't know. Maybe he just got a deal with Ovation <laughs> or something. I don't know. But yeah, it, yeah, it's it's crazy. And like, I was also always surprised. Like, there's so many Roy Harper videos with him playing an Ovation as well. And I'm oh. like, Roy Harper. Like, I would never yeah. have thought. But um, yeah, he also can make it sound good. Yeah. But anyway, you are you a Roy Harper fan? Yeah. Yeah, I love Roy Harper. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah, that's mm. really... I didn't know that he was a Ovation person live. Yeah, like, I think... Um, what era would it be? It's like... Um, I'm trying to remember which song I saw. I think it's like that HQ album era. Um, hmm, I don't know that one. Oh, very good. Definitely okay. worth checking out. I'll have to out. check it out. I, yeah. I was I was really impressed by his last one. I don't know that man and myth like. Put no, out. I don't know that one at all. Man, it's so good. I think it came out twenty thirteen, uh, and huh. he's got like devil horns on the cover. Yeah, <laughs> it's awesome. Produced by that Jonathan Wilson dude in California, does like Father John Misty and that kind of oh, stuff. Okay, like kind okay. of orchestrally sort of sounding stuff. But man, that yeah. album is killer it's so good like i was blown away by how good uh, i'm gonna check it out roy sounds in this day and age i was just like what the this yeah and his voice cool. is going strong which a lot That's of cool. his contemporaries aren't really you know kind right. of able right. to pull it off and you know roy he can kind of get his howl on um but yeah, yeah anyway yeah. sorry like i might be a little yeah. bit of a roy Harper no i'm gonna check fan. that out um, yeah <laughs> definitely worth man and myth cool. such a killer album um how did we even get here <laughs> but what are you currently listening to oh boy that's a tough question it always <laughs> it doesn't um, always throw you it's like when um, someone asks that yeah, question kind of. you immediately forget <laughs> yeah i do um what have i been listening to um i'm trying to think of what i've been throwing on the turntable I think I've been listening to there's a label called um, freedom to spend mm -hmm. and they do a lot of reissues of mm, kind of hard to describe. I don't know what kind of music it is. Eighties uh, or seventies or eighties, very repetitive avant-garde kind of, but not really avant-garde. I don't know. I've been listening to a lot of freedom to spend records. Uh, my Freedom my to friend, spend. <laughs> Freedom to spend, yeah. Uh, my my buddy Pete Swanson, who was in Yellow Swans, is one half of uh, Freedom to Spend, and uh, yeah, I can't stop listening. Like those are kind of my most okay. played records. So yeah, right now is it guitar-y um, at all? No, there's like a lot of mm. electronics. Okay. Some some records awesome. have a little bit of guitar, a little more electronics, maybe some mm. avant-garde compositional techniques, maybe some tape cut up here or there. But yeah, mm. it's really good. Um, just trying to think of what I've been listening to. I think that that that's mostly that's the okay. stuff I've been listening to the most. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do you find you, that you um, do you listen to much guitar music uh, these days? I don't. Yeah. I'm not ignoring you. I'm uh, looking at my Bandcamp buys right now. So oh, okay. Remind me of what I was like. <laughs> I got my phone right here. Um, I did pick up the Kevin Drum was okay. had his thing where you could get all of his jams for like 30, 35 bucks or something. It was okay. Like, it was like, yeah. It was like 150 records. So Whoa, uh, okay. when I walk, when I walk my dog, I always put a new mm. Kevin drum record on. 
and I walk the dog and I try to take notes of which ones like really move me. Mm. Um, so that has been a major this year after I got that listening to a lot of Kevin drum, which is awesome. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, that's another one. Okay. Sorry. You were asking a question. No, I was going to say like, do you listen to, do you find that you listen to like a lot of guitar centric music, uh, or have you kind of, do you tend to listen to sort of non guitar type stuff? Yeah. I used to listen to tons. I used to Mm. like 20 years ago or whatever, when I was playing, I don't listen to a lot of guitar oriented music nowadays as much. Mm. Um, sometimes, sometimes there's people, um, usually not finger pickers or acoustic guitar players as much. Um, there are some, uh, but, um, yeah, I'm trying to think sometimes it just depends, you know, sometimes I do. No, but it's, it's just something that I've noticed with like a lot of people as well, you know, that I've interviewed and that they, they, a lot of guitar players, I think kind of tend to listen to other music <laughs> almost right. to, to right. I don't know, draw inspiration from there. Like, uh, you know, a lot of electronic stuff or jazz or, you know, whatever, whatever sort yeah. of floating them. Um, and it's kind of interesting, you know, and a lot of the stuff that maybe originally, you know, got people into guitar isn't necessarily what they still listen to today, you know, like, right. Yeah. Right. Like, like I'm sure you still love Nick Drake, but maybe don't, put him on like all the time right. yeah i can't remember last time i put him on yeah exactly mm. you kind of you absorb you absorb the different artists so much mm. that maybe they're already a part of your mind yeah you kind of reach yeah. like total saturation or something yeah i don't know yeah i don't know but um like do you find that the music you listen to now still has a heavy influence on the music you make or hmm. not Maybe not as much. It's hard to say because I don't listen to so much guitar music, but I'm still mm. doing a lot of guitar music. So I think I listen more for enjoyment now. Maybe when I was younger, I was trying to listen to learn something or emulate a guitar player. or And now, now I'm such an old guitar player that I can't even learn any new tricks <laughs> if I wanted to. Oh, and, I don't then, that. <laughs> and then, and yeah, then, it's, it's true. You reach a point, and then so maybe I'm just listening more for enjoyment now, which mm. is, which is kind of cool in its own way. Okay. Um, yeah. Ah, well, this actually, I guess, because um, I think you know a lot of people, or maybe, you know, people that I've spoken to, and that they tend to say, you know, like they'll kind of draw on sounds um, of kind of new styles of music to kind of inspire them to create something a bit different but i know you created a very unique way to try and sort of break your standard playing and songwriting habits with the whole hexatic um system and Mm. yeah like it it, it is are there plans for another hexatic album by any chance or yes yeah there are um i'm kind of working on the the hexatic part of it right now, the part where I just have a notebook and I'm using Mm. the cards and I'm writing stuff down. I haven't started turning it into music yet, but yes, there definitely are plans for a new thing and maybe a hexatic zine that will come out that has new, new stuff kind of, kind of a companion to the book. Okay. Yeah. 
And the hexatic yeah. thing was cool because it was like a system that I think some other guitar players, you know, started getting into or just other musicians started making mm-hmm. use of a bit and exploring. And it was hexatic three that had, I don't think you were on actually hexatic three, Mm-mm. right? Yeah. No. That was cool. That was a very cool six organs album. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was fun. I just, mm-hmm. and what I, I sent the book and all of that stuff mm-hmm. out to a whole bunch of people a lot of my friends and the people Mm. on that record were people who kind of wrote back to me with just being positive about stuff. And if I didn't hear back from anybody, then I wasn't going to bug them. I wasn't going to say, Hey, do you want to do a song? So those were people. And I, so I said, do you want to do, do you want to do a song using this, uh, Mm. using the hexatic stuff for the record? And everyone was really cool. Yeah. That came together nicely. And like the idea with that, um, from what I understood, was to kind of break yourself out of those sorts of songwriting habits that I think we all kind of fall into, especially like the physical movements of guitar Mm -hmm. playing. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that was a pretty interesting way of doing it. Like, do you think that you kind of generally a systemic player like that like you create those sorts of systems to create music you know outside of ecstatic um, i i don't know i'm not really that's why it's such <laughs> a weird thing that i start that i worked on that project um uh yeah like i said the the songs in six organs usually there's all sorts of ways they start and end in mm. the first place. So, but that was just a project that I was really obsessed with for a few years. Just kind of had to see through the hexatic mm. project. What did the label think when you were like, I want to put a book out and a deck of cards? Like, were they just like, cool? It's yeah. Dead. I mean, Drag City is one of the most supportive labels for artists that there probably is. Um, they don't once you're once they like you and you're on the label they don't pay attention to how much you sell or don't sell they just it's just a family really okay. and they just um yeah they just trust you and you trust them and there's no contracts with drag city everything's a handshake deal um and it's all 50 50 old punk rock style yeah um so they're very very supportive and so when i told them the project they were yeah they were into it so i was i'm really lucky to be working with drag city Mm. there's one when i put out the sun awakens record which was right after the school of flower record yeah and the sun awakens is very droney and i remember talking i didn't really know drag city that well at the time and dan k who one of the owners of drag city we were at a bar and i and i said dan i'm i'm sorry that i followed up with a uh, school of the flower with basically a drone record. And Dan said, you're six organs. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah. And so I knew from there that, and that just sums up that just yeah. sums up, like, the friendship with drag city. They're super supportive and super mm. cool. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, sun awakens is like one of my favorite six organs records as well. So I, I think it was a pretty strong follow up. <laughs> and as, But like, I guess exactly like, as that guy said, like, your six organs, like, that's the, <laughs> that's the, that's yeah. the thing, you know, that's why we've got you here. <laughs> at, at the time that I did Sun Awakens, mm. 
folk music was really taken off like 2006 everybody mm. you know, there was a lot of folk a lot, okay. of, a lot of folk stylings and stuff as well and mm. I, I turned away from that immediately and did more you know working with more Al mm. or whatever so yeah that was another that was another part of it you know so, telling Drake City well I'm not gonna take a part of that I'm gonna take mm. a part of this yeah well I think that was a yeah a logical move well like i don't know i guess there's like kind of a contrarian spirit that's i really Little like bit. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool but yeah i think like that time like yeah the whole folk thing did sort of explode in the mid 2000s there yeah in a weird way i kind of wonder what happened but anyway yeah guitar is weird like that i don't know genres are weird but um if um if you could play a song of yours to someone who had never heard your music um, and, you know, they, they were just going to hear one song, which track would you pick? Do I like this person or not? You are indifferent. Oh, okay. It's a new... If I... Just, <laughs> yeah. just somebody that... Just um... like just want to say like what i do or whatever yeah like like Um, someone someone is like into i don't know like yeah yeah, just 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 a neutral flesh as it were what are they yeah (laughs) i like where you're going what are they into Uh, (laughs) oh you want to hear that part i guess if they're 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 like into guitar they like guitar oh they're into guitar Mm. okay well if they're into guitar then maybe i would do uh Maybe one of the guitar instrumentals on a later record or something. Maybe I'd play the 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 Axis song, uh, the duet with uh, Riley Walker. Maybe oh wow, yeah, duet kind of thing. Mm. That's something you could people could listen to and say, well, there's a couple guitar players. Yeah. Yeah, that one. It, they could indeed say there's a couple guitar players. <laughs> that one was so cool. Like it reminded me kind of of the whole like Renborn Yanch. Like ah, uh, yeah, that's what we were. That's that was that... the idea. I mean, that's pretty much we're gonna pan the guitars, you know. Except for maybe we were both mm-hmm. Yanch. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when neither one of us is actually d- using a pick or anything. So yeah, but yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, it That's is actually kind of like two Yanch. Yeah, going we're on there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the but the Rainborn Yanch like dynamic, ah, it's super inspiring. Like super yeah. cool, super cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay. There, there's there there are those projects that you always you keep in the back of your mind, and you always kind of want to do. That's one of them. You know, have a duet with another guitar player, a little bit different style, mm-hmm. like Renborn Yanch. You know, or a, another idea is oh, I want to be like Neil Young and compose like to Dead Man. Oh, you know, oh, yeah. everyone has these ideas they want to do. Wasn't that cool? I'd like to do that sometime. Yeah, you know? like so. the the, the Renborn Yanch one is one that like I one hundred percent. I'm like, yes, this, it has yeah. to be done. And yeah, 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 had, had a duo like that was specifically oh, you, just to do that. Oh, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, right. right. Yeah. Inspired uh, by that. Yeah. Was somebody, uh, was somebody playing with a pick? I was actually the one playing with the pick. Yeah. So nice. I, I, I guess nice. I was the Renborn, like doing kind of the leadier, you know, yeah. like, like, the, the more supportive stuff, you know, to their, yeah. 
Yench. <laughs> it's such a cool sound with the two textures. I mean, they really had that down, you know. They really did, man. And also the way that John Renborn could use harmonics and that. It's it's yeah. it's amazing. You know, like that that was another thing. I don't know if it got big in the USA, but in South Africa, that whole thing of like, you know, playing acoustic guitar on your lap and like hitting it and you mm. know, hitting harmonics and stuff like that. That became a yeah. really big thing here. Um huh. Yeah, I don't know. Was there much it of that? Didn't really in the catch US? it. Yeah. Um, there's a few guitar players that do that, but I don't think it got mm. super big. Yeah, so. it's weird. And those guys like also, you know, looper pedals and like like that right, sort of thing. Right. So for a while here, like when you would say you're an acoustic guitarist, that was what people would oh. envision. Yeah. Right. And then when you like started playing. <laughs> <laughs> they'd be like what the fuck <laughs> like huh. what is this like playing yeah that's crazy you know, playing with the left hand basically you know yeah yeah because yeah yeah it's interesting it's interesting how all of that stuff does and like with you like were you ever into like the well i mean you mentioned fahey earlier and like I know with the american primitive sort of style it's very much so like right hand like yeah. that that alternating thumb and and that sort of thing but were you are you like big into that um i never was uh mm. i i was in a kotke before i was in a fahey and okay because my acoustic guitar stuff went through nick drake and then into the brits um first i was always way more into that into the fretboard mm. you know pull-offs and hammer-ons and slides and stuff i was always more of a interested in the left hand stuff and also that gelled with doing electric guitar stuff yeah. as well practicing on electric guitar so they just kind of went together um so yeah i never really got into the american primitive thing as much yeah because like that's just like another one of those weird things that i see you being compared to like when i've read stuff and i've never yeah because because i didn't know american primitive and then i got into six organs and then i kept seeing like Fahey and Jack Rose and that sort of stuff and that stuff is awesome and I've gotten into it but like I remember when I yeah. put it on I was like this is not the same well like like I didn't see any kind of connection and I always thought yeah. that was kind of weird um but yeah so did you like play a lot of gigs with Jack Rose and and those sorts of guys back in the day um, not I mean not a lot I did the mm -hmm. first the first six organs tour on the basically big tour that I did, well, big, it was like a week, uh, was <laughs> yeah. with Jack's first solo acoustic tour. We toured together and with a band called For Saxa. And I just hopped in a car with Jack and For Saxa mm -hmm. on the East Coast. And I think that was 2001, I think. Whoa, okay. Summer of 2001. And, um, yeah, so we played that show, and then we would just see each other when we were touring. If mm. I was in Philadelphia, or if he was on, on in the Bay Area in California. Okay, at that stage, was he already like into the American primitive thing? Because I think well, yeah. he was in he was in Pelt first, wasn't he? Right. Or, yeah, and I mean that in... is not American primitive. That's like awesome drone. I don't know. Right. I really dig. I I love Pelt. Like, and I can kind of see it almost like more of a similarity with you know, droney six organs and pelt more so than with Jack mm. Rose's kind of solo acoustic stuff. But okay, so but even he, in those early days, he was... He was very that. into that. Probably mm. more so. I mean, 
as the years went by, he developed his his finger picking so that it was less of something you might hear on Tacoma and more mm. just Jack. You know, he got yeah. really fast and really beautiful with a certain way he was he was picking that. Yeah, it transcended the American primitive after a while, which was cool. Um, at that time, he was kind of just getting going. We would, I mean, at that time, we had a joke when we were on tour that n- neither one of us wanted to play after the other one. But the <laughs> reason why, the reason why is not, is because we were both kind of drinking at the time and whoever had to play <laughs> after would inevitably have drank a little too much and play sloppier. So we wanted to, I mean, there's young kids kind of yeah. mentality. Um, so only at that point ever, if Jack had really been drinking, would I have, you know, technically maybe, you know, been able to play a better set than him. <laughs> only then in 2001, if he drank a whole bunch of whiskey, maybe my guitar playing could have, and then after that, it's like, no way. It's like incredible, incredible player, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. But yeah, Jack Rose, like, I don't know amazing just like on another level technique wise and everything yeah and those bootlegs that um that have been coming out uh, just yeah i haven't heard any of those oh you must check them out you must check them out they're they're all on um they're on Bandcamp, i think oh okay Uh, sound of matt uh okay Bandcamp, yeah something like that cool i'll check those out and it is and i I think it's probably from that kind of era that you're talking about as well. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. You know, you should get on the show is Blackshaw. Do you like Blackshaw. James Blackshaw at all? You I know James know Blackshaw at all? No, no. Who's James Blackshaw? All right. Well, edit this out because I don't want yeah. to, <laughs> you'll have to edit out who's James Blackshaw. Um, well, Blackshaw oh. was like seeing in, uh, you know, in the mid two thousands, like people weren't actually talking about Jack at all. People were talking about okay. Blackshaw, which is like a little annoying on multiple levels for me because yeah. it was only after Jack passed away, you know, everyone was like yeah. Blackshaw, 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 and Jack is doing his stuff and then Jack passes away and then everyone talks about Jack, but no one talks about Blackshaw. It's like, dude, Blackshaw is an amazing mm. player. He just hasn't put out a record in like okay. eight, eight years or so. But look okay. up James Look up James Blackshaw, okay, um, because he's a he's an incredible, incredible guitar yeah. player. Yeah, I will definitely do that. Is he like primitive yeah. sort of stuff or no? He's English, mm. so oh, he, okay, yeah. But he's it's hard to describe. It's like it's a bit like that, but mm. but so fast. Like his finger style is just sounds like waves like okay. washing against you. It's just so beautiful. Um, he's an incredible player. I'm going to check so that I've been, out. I've been trying to remind everybody about Blackshaw, man, because Blackshaw, okay. like, he was really incredible guitar player. I'm trying to get him to make a record again. We're kind of okay. talking to him like, you got, got to do another record. Yeah. So yeah, but definitely check out, check out James Blackshaw. I'm definitely going to do that. Uh, yeah. Do you, do you have any other like recommendations of players sort of, of that era? Yeah, I mean Blackshaw. 
mm. black shot. It's weird because there was this whole scene of mm. acoustic guitar players from the early 2000s that nobody really talks about as much anymore just because they kind of stopped doing records. Um, so there was a label. Well, I'm trying to think of some people. Um, yeah, I'll send you an email. I'm kind of drawing some blanks right now. Um, no, that's definitely cool. check out Black Shaw. But you said you know Rick Tomlinson, right? You know, yeah. Rick well, I know I, I know Voice of the Seven Words, and also yeah. like some albums that he's put out under the name Rick Tomlinson. That's so cool. Yeah, so good. Like just just fantastic. Um, and yeah, yeah, Voice of the Seven Words. Like that, I, I was really into that. Um, oh, cool. At one point, so yeah, would, Rick's yeah, Rick's great. Okay. Do you know him? Have you like toured with him or anything like that? We have a record that we recorded in 2016 that I'm waiting for him to uh, finish the, his, his mastering of it. Rick is known for taking a while on stuff, oh, yeah. so I'm publicly harassing him right okay. now. He, okay. He's a very busy guy. But yeah, we recorded a duet acoustic guitar what? record in two, 2016 what? when I was at, at his house. I so, have to hear this on my word. Yeah, I'd like to hear it too. <laughs> It's like no, full length. I, it's yeah, full length. And then yeah. we're just, I think we're going to do it on his label. And he's really busy. He's really busy. So mm. I understand. But um, he's also not known as the fastest yeah. person to put out records. But um, yeah, it was really fun recording. I love Rick. He's an amazing mm. um, person. And he, uh, it was fun. So I had a few days off of tour in England. And and I stopped by his house, him and his partner, Alex, they're both just mm-hmm. incredible people. And, uh, so yeah, for three days I had my acoustic guitar and we, we just started, re- yeah, we just recorded at his house, which was interesting cause we knew we wanted to do a record, but we didn't know what it, we wanted to sound like. Mm. So for the first afternoon we're playing, it was just ridiculous showing up you know one upping each oh, other yes. oh, you, want, oh you know and by the end it's just completely unlistenable just two guitar players just come on and after we got that out of our system then the next day we played some other rick played some records maybe we could try this idea or that idea and then we fell into this sound that we really like it was very I don't know if you've ever hear, heard um, this band, like Third Ear Band. It was very sort of Third Ear Band style, uh, very repetitive, okay. moving around. Yeah, little, yeah. maybe Terry Riley sort okay. of acoustic kind you. of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, hopefully one day that'll come out. Um, it will. It will God one day. Damn, man. Yo, yeah. I, I really want to hear that. Like, that's that's incredible. I'm amazed it, didn't, it hasn't... I mean, I don't know. I guess, like, have you not, like, really spoken much about it? Because... <laughs> no, I haven't spoken much about it because it's just not done yet. Okay. I mean, my part's done. My Don't get yeah. me wrong. My part, <laughs> everything I'm supposed to do is done. But somehow it just hasn't come out yet. I don't know. Yeah. So, so I'll make sure you get I'll it when... Uh, yeah, when when it's all done and stuff. I'll, oh, man. Too. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll gladly... Uh, buy a copy of that like that that sounds fantastic um is rick on like um instagram or anything like no, that? no that's one of the things he's, he's very private he, and doesn't he's really super participate. yeah yeah that's the thing because like and and i mean exactly what you're saying he's not really known for like 
speed when it comes to yeah. putting stuff out there because I just knew Voice of the Seven Words and there was like nothing else that I could find. Yeah. Uh, and then eventually found like one Rick Tomlinson record. And then I think there, were, there was another one, what Voice of the... Is it Voice of the Seven Thunders and Voice of the Seven Woods? That's it, Voice of the Seven Thunders. And I like found that. And like over time, I've like found maybe like four albums, um, which is probably not everything he's done, but it's kind of hard to like. Yeah. Oh, is it? Hey, yeah. I don't think he might have some CDs out actually as well, but Mm. uh, he doesn't have a whole lot. Yeah, he's very meticulous about what he's doing and making sure it's right. I mean, he's part of the same, a little bit part of the same scene because I was introduced to him by a mutual friend in England. And then I had a friend named Keith who played bass in Six Organs for the electric stuff who does a band called Hush Arbors. Keith Keith Mm -hmm. moved to London and then Keith and then Rick would play in Hush Arbor, so they became friends. So he's it's all kind of part of friends of friends. And then what's even weirder is that Rick's best friend's name is Rick Myers, who moved to the United States and ended up living in the same building as me. And Rick Myers actually did the artwork for the Tashi Dorji record that I did. Um, oh, wow. So he's a visual artist. So it's all kind of connected, Thomas. And... Did he just like end up in the same building as you? by total fluke. I think we had mutual friends. It's just okay, it's weird yeah, how yeah. small scenes actually are even when they're spread yeah. around the world, you know. Wow, that's yeah, that is actually pretty amazing though. Gosh. Okay. Yeah, must see if I can try and like track that man down and see if he'd be willing to to speak a Rick little Thompson? bit. Rick Thompson? Yeah. I'll tell him. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah I'll, if, I'll, if, I'll tell him. I'll give him a okay. I'll tell him. Please, please, please. Yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll send sure. you my email address or something and you can send it to him. And if he's interested, Absolutely. that would be amazing. And I can also yeah, then put some cool. pressure on him about yeah. this. Uh, <laughs> yeah, totally. totally. <laughs> this collaborative album. Oh, man. Did you guys record the stuff where you were like trying to one up each other? I think he probably does have that recorded. I haven't heard it, but yeah, I think he probably yeah, be, does have that recorded. I'd be kind of keen to hear that, like just the, yeah. you know, like in the same way that one listens to like the Shred guys. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if it's quite. It was. I don't. I wouldn't say we're Shred level, but we're definitely trying very hard to one one up each other. Oh man, I, yeah, I, I'd love to hear that. I'd love to hear that, but um. Anyway, anyway, yeah, I think I think I've probably taken up enough of your day here. Oh um, yeah, it's all good. It's, that was a lot of fun. Like it yeah, was, man. I, guitar, I, I, so. I appreciate it. I really do appreciate it. And I'm gonna actually go and like watch some of those Fripp videos and find out what that orchestra was called. Oh yeah, um, because yeah, I'm just amped. I'm amped to hear this piezo sound. Yeah, yeah. Shine through, but yeah, yeah. it's crazy. The piezo, it's like a quack almost. Um, yeah. Which yeah, yeah. It's not a vibe. It's not a vibe. But um, I don't know if, if you're agreeable, but I know earlier you said that um, that access, uh, access track that you did with uh, Riley Walker on Burning the yeah. Threshold. Oh, Would right. you be agreeable if I were to close the episode with that song? Yeah. Or is there, is there like fun. some copyright legal? No, just I don't know. It's, it's, everything's fine, I'm sure. Will I be hearing from your 
legal team. I do not think so. First I'll, have to, first I'll have to get a legal team and then I'll have to tell them what's going on. And that's just too much work for me. Okay. Well, yeah, I'll take advantage of that and definitely yeah, yeah. do that. But, but really, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. I really appreciate it. I know I'm a little bit all over the place and not like the most sort of learned oh, no. fellow it's to, really to, fun. to talk about these things. There's, no, man, it's really fun. It's, <laughs> it's good to just talk about guitar and fun music and stuff. So I knew it would be a good time and it really was. So yeah, thanks okay. for having me. All right. It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. But yeah, thanks so much, man. And um, to anyone listening, um, definitely go and check out The Intimate Landscape by Ben Chesney, as well as the full Six Organs discography. It's... It's a wild ride, and if you need to kind of invest into a new artist that um, that's got a big back catalog, it's a, it's 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 a wonderful place to discover because you've got just hours and hours of music there for you. So thank you, Ben, um, and yeah, have a good one. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me.